Good morning. Uh, hello, world. <laughs> the beast hath wakened. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I'm. S I this is probably the most tired I've been actually. Oh, for uh, real? Yeah. Um. So uh, you know that I'm playing uh, Persona Four. Yeah, yeah. So it's a game that uh, I both enjoy and am annoyed with. <laughs> okay. Uh, they they yeah. do some things with their mechanics that are a little bit unappealing, such as not having frequent save points. Uh, okay, so you're stuck playing like several hours in a row when you don't want to? Yeah. <laughs> 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 like I, I started playing at, uh, uh, I don't know, like 11.30 or something, thinking I'd just put a half hour in before I go to bed. Uh-huh. And then, yeah, uh, so there's there's two things that make the game kind of unappealing. One is that the save points can be infrequent, and also it's really easy to die. I see. It, it's Brutal. Like you've, got a, you've got a four party team and like three of the characters can die. No problem. It, who cares? As soon as mm. the battle's over they're they're alive again with one hit point. Oh, okay. Uh, but that main character, if he dies, it's game over. I see. Like you don't even have the ability to resurrect him in battle or anything. Like as soon as he's dead, it's game over. So, <laughs> Uh, if you haven't been grinding and stuff, and then uh, an enemy decides to one-shot you, That's and it. you haven't been able to save it for 40 minutes, oh. uh, it's not the most fun experience in the world. Right, right. Uh, so yeah, I was playing at like uh, 11.30, and uh, silly me decided to start a dungeon, and uh, I went through like seven floors expecting that there would be a save point before the boss and there wasn't so then <laughs> i didn't want to lose all my treasure and leveling up and everything so because i knew there was no chance i was going to beat the boss uh -huh. so then i had to like backtrack into the dungeon so uh what time were you up till um so i was interrupted part way through because my kid woke up and i wanted to put him back to sleep so mm. by the time I finished with that and then got out of the dungeon and stuff. It was around 2 a.m. <laughs> and then he didn't sleep particularly well last night and then woke up at 6 a.m. Brutal. <laughs> so it was an interrupted four hours of sleep. Brutal. Brutal. Well, thank you for making it out today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have a, I don't quite have the same sob story as you, but my yeah. uh, my daughter's actually sick right now, so I'm... And my wife's out on a super early morning uh, errand, so I'm kind of sitting here praying that uh, she doesn't wake up all stuffy and right. screamy. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, nice. Any other impressions from Persona 4? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah I guess it, it would be unfair to leave it on a negative note because I'm actually really enjoying the game otherwise. Cool. Um, it, 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 I think that just that mechanic with the instant death... Uh, easy instant death and uh, the lack of saving is is the biggest annoyance but otherwise it's a pretty unique game um mm. you know it was on playstation 2 and i think graphically it still holds up the the soundtrack uh is kind of like j poppy and stuff like with actual instruments and stuff so it that holds up pretty well and is a, a nice difference from games i'm used to mm. um and so it's it's kind of like a combination between, uh, I guess it's like com a combination of a roguelike uh, RPG 
uh, Life Sim. Okay. Uh, which uh, I say roguelike just because the dungeons are different each time you enter them. So it uh, is like a, it's not like a set in stone dungeon. It's like randomized somehow. Yeah. It's it's like you're always guaranteed that the boss is going to be on level number X, but uh, but yeah, it's it's like the the hallways respawn differently and the enemy positions are different each time. So, um, in that sense, I, I also I guess kind of find it a little bit less appealing as well, just because mm. the 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 hallways and stuff feel very samey. Yeah. Um, but no, really I, your thing. Yeah, but I I really like the story, um, which you know you're some high school students that stumble upon a mystery that you've got to solve, and I don't know, it's it's really good. Um, I can understand, especially for the time, why it got such high ratings. Hmm. Cool. How long is it? Uh, supposedly eighty hours. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about twelve into it so far, yeah. so. Cool, yeah. cool. Yeah, um, I it's so Persona's been on my like check out list. Not so much yeah. like play necessarily, but uh, you know I do hear a lot of uh, things about it. So yeah, it's it's uh, so when I I say the life sim section, it's like you know you're a student who's arrived in town and you've got to like decide which extracurricular activities you're gonna do and which friends you're gonna <laughs> hang out with. And does that craft uh, your character in some way? Yeah, so, like, depending on which friend you hang out with will depend on, like, which of your, uh, I guess, personas or abilities will get stronger. Mm. Um, and depending on what activities you do, maybe you're going to build up your courage, which will allow you to ask out girls. <laughs> or you'll build up your diligence, which will allow you to take better paying jobs. Uh, and jobs will give you money and, like, understanding and stuff so that you can build relationships with other characters and so it, it it's always layered in a way like for example you can join the soccer club or you can join the basketball club but you can't do both okay and so then you can join i think it was music or drama but you can't do both <laughs> and whichever one you choose to do the schedule is going to conflict with the sports that you do. So you can't do both on the same day. <laughs> and this is, I think it's just like a, like the setting is just Japan or something. Yeah. Right? It's like, it's like a rural Japan town of like a population of like a thousand or something. Mm. <laughs> um, and, and it's like a modern era sort of thing. So I, I kind of got into interested in it. Um, I heard really good things about it. And so I bought it, last year when it was on sale for like mm. five dollars or something um nice you're actually playing like the physical media game no it's it's the uh it's the psn version ah, on, my, cool. on my playstation 3 cool um but yeah i i kind of bumped it that wasn't originally on my uh priority list for this year but i kind of bumped it up because i heard good things about uh persona 5 which is coming out soon it was like Let's Rock change up. stuff up. And let's play something else. Cool, cool. Um, uh, were you playing a few games at once? I feel like. Yeah, I'm playing yeah. Suikoden too as well. Um, Haven't you finished that like several times? <laughs> no, no, that's my first playthrough. Oh, really? How's that going? Uh, it's going 
good. Uh, it's a lot more standard. It does do some unique things as well. Like, uh, it's got an interesting, uh, like, tactical RPG system where you fight with armies every now and then instead right. of just, like, your main characters. Um, the problem that I have with it is that the world is actually quite large. Like, you can explore fairly early on to a large number of towns. Okay. But there's no reason to and if you're not careful it's easy to like uh, like because of the speed of the text and stuff i'm constantly just pressing the x button mm. to like speed up what people are saying right and then it'll get to like a, a a piece of instruction or did you understand this or whatever and i just click yes before i get a chance to read it <laughs> and so sometimes i actually miss what I'm supposed to do next, and then there's nothing in the story that tells me <laughs> what I'm supposed to do next. So I just have to wander around until I f find the right place to go. Yeah, I'm pretty sick of that kind of game. I mean, <laughs> I I'd have to play play it to get a real feel, but um, yeah, just generally speaking. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's. Uh, I guess my own uh, impatience is my worst enemy for that game, mm. uh, but it's it's fun. I play that on the PSP, so I'm I'm playing that like during my commute and uh, on my exercise bike and awesome while I'm putting my kid to sleep. So awesome. <laughs> very cool. Well, you know, yeah. I think um, as you know, I I've had this uh, uh, oh kind of stay at home week going on, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so. Uh, I found that when I had more regularity in my schedule, it was actually easier to get games in. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now that like it's all free time, it's like I don't know that that um, kind of self-dictated like I will play games at this time, I'll do this at this time, I'll do this at this yeah. time. Once that schedule was at the window, it's just it's it's kind of weirdly difficult to like find time. I don't know. I'm finding I'm I'm a very maybe it's because. Uh, since leaving university i've like gotten married and had kids and there's just so much randomness in my life now i've yeah, yeah. i find it very difficult I'm, I'm a very i have to be consistent with things or it all falls apart kind of even with like my hobbies so it's been a you weird know, week for me i just haven't made it happen for for a lot of things for game time yeah for, for anything you know so. you're you're to a smaller extent experiencing what i experienced when i was in san francisco right yeah anyway <laughs> like so for yeah like when we were both living in vancouver at the same time we would meet up weekly i think and we were trying to work on a little uh, indie game in our in our hobby time yeah uh, and we both were working full-time so it was like very specific times that we had available to work on stuff and i found it so easy to be productive mm. But then I quit my job uh, and moved to San Francisco to live with my wife and uh, I wasn't allowed to have a job and suddenly all of my time was spare time and suddenly it became extremely difficult for me to structure anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, it's so weird because I, I used to be good at that. I used yeah. to be good at that. And I think, I mean, I, I take responsibility for my life and everything, but I think what it is that's difficult for me is like, having these kind of chaotic elements in my life, like yeah. not so much my wife, my wife, but my, especially my, my kid who, you know, I mean, she, she lives by no set schedule at all. So I'm not yeah. guaranteed any time slots anymore. I can't say yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to do whatever from, from 9am every day or whatever. And so yeah. I just, I don't know. It's just been very, 
uh, weird for me. Um, yeah. not just on the gaming front, but just anything. Like I had all these ideas of things I'd, I'd kind of get done over this, uh, this two week period. And, uh, yeah, it's not really happening, <laughs> but uh, I've been, I've been getting, uh, uh, a lot of stuff set up, I guess. I'm cleaning up my room and I'm, I'm, uh, uh, kind of trying to get more, uh, uh, flash cards. I don't know if I mentioned that previously. Right. Yeah. So working on that. So it's like, I'm, since I know that my structured life will come back at some point, I'm like kind of getting ready to pounce yeah. on it when it does. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's, you know, I, I think the biggest problem is just having a kid. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, I can it's like, spin it's like, it how I want. <laughs> yeah, however we want to spin it. The problem is once you've got a kid, uh, <laughs> spare time isn't spare time in quite the same way anymore. Yeah, and you know I think that uh, it's it was interesting. Say ten years ago, you just wake up on a Saturday and it's like you have nothing to do. So I'll just you know I've been playing this game, I'll just play it, or I, yeah. I'm working on this thing, I'll just work on it. Now it's almost like it's so different because. Spare time is something I fight for. Like I get up early or I stay up late or I, I, yeah. I, you know, specifically schedule something where my wife looks after the kid for however long and so on and so forth. And it's a different kind of spare time now because you, you either, like I either plan ahead how I'm going to use it and then I use it for that. Or I, if I don't have anything planned and I just suddenly have it, I'm so not used to that. It's like, whoa, free time. Uh, and I, I just can't, <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know, take it and do what I want with it because I'm, I'm not... I'm, my mind is not ready to handle free time anymore or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so one thing that I will say, uh, both going back to Persona and then hopefully segueing into what we want to talk about, is uh, one thing that I've noticed uh, about playing this PlayStation 2 game on the PlayStation 3 is it was definitely designed for an old school CRT television. Okay. Like you can tell how every now and then they'll like put like a black screen over something to just like, you know, transition into the next scene. Uh, except the black doesn't cover the entire screen. There's like a slight little bits at the very edge where you can still see right what was underneath it. Okay. So I, I find it interesting when you go back and you, you can see artifacts of the, the, how games used to be. Uh, and, and, so I'm I'm curious because our topic today was going to be ROM hacking. Yeah, and I I'm curious because you've done a little bit of that. I I never have, but uh, is is that sort of thing something that you ever came across where there was like stuff in the game that <laughs> I, I don't know is like oddly limited or. So that's an interesting question. Um, the whole uh, ROM hacking topic is, of course, quite broad, and I can speak yeah, yeah. to it. And uh, I, there's a lot of fascinating things one encounters. Um, spinning it more, less kind of ROM hacking and more, yeah, I guess, yeah. just like when emulation was born, if you will, and, and, yeah, yeah. and kind of what that was like to go in and, and see the insides of these games and kind of just get the raw data and be able to look at like the whole sprite table and and. and and you know um as as emulators being there as emulators were kind of being uh developed from rather uh, uh hacked up things into these very crafted uh, well well running things um yeah. you did see that a lot and you see you saw a lot of like uh 
I guess. I guess it was easier for you to like lift the uh, the sheet the curtain up. And exactly, see what's going exactly, on exactly. The scenes, right? It was it it. So I'm trying to think of a really good example. Um, of course, nothing's going. <laughs> but um, it's like first of all, um, a lot of televisions would actually uh, cut off the top and bottom. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if you knew that. Probably, I think it's common. But yeah, um, yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, I I'm familiar with that from doing animation. Like, we sure, always great. we always had to leave. Uh, I think it was about ten percent of our image uh, on all four sides of the screen. We we it was called TV cutoff, and we just assumed mm. that that was there so that we would have lines not just like terminating and stuff, ah. but but that stuff would just. Uh, probably not get seen by the audience right and then and then i think there was another 10 percent little border that we would you would never try to put any sort of text there because uh the edges of the screen would be kind of blurry or warped and stuff and if you had text there it would be not ah. as legible as in the middle of the screen <laughs> got it got it well um, from the say the original Nintendo, which is kind of where I lived, if you will, um, yeah. from their point of view, it was a little different and a little bit the same, I think. So, yeah. like, just the the way the image that was actually created by the Nintendo um, and then displayed to the screen, and the way it was displayed to the screen, you were guaranteed to cut off the bottom. I forget actually. I think it was eight rows, eight or so rows of pixels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. guaranteed. They were just simply not there. But then also, furthermore, depending on the TV, you have different. You have TVs that will cut off more just the way their picture mm-hmm. is structured. And then especially yep. way if you go way, way back, um, like obviously it's adjustable, right? I don't know if you have one of those really old TVs where you could adjust the... the, the um, yeah, I, I think they did at one point. Yeah, the vertical width and height and stuff, and the image jumps around on the screen. Um, so obviously people would adjust them to their tastes. But like um, I actually, even in my nerdy room here, have a few TVs, some of them cut the image differently than others and it's a deal breaker for me actually i got a really nice crt as nice as a, a crt can be it's like a, a late stage flat screen um yeah. it, it, it looks like it would be super ideal except there's not very much customized like i can't really customize the image yeah there's not much settings i can do and then it yeah. cuts off the far right column of pixels it's a huge deal breaker. So, I mean, I can pop in a game and it'll, it'll literally say, like, on the far right, it'll say, like, score without the E. Like, it'll cut off that much. Yeah. So, um, anyway, uh, when emulators came out, uh, you got that, which was very interesting. Because some games very annoyingly kind of, like, glitch out at the bottom. <laughs> right. And so, uh, you'd have, like, either, like, sprite data that is kind of flickering in the bottom. Or you'd have, like, as you're running around and the screen is scrolling... You'd have like uh, I don't know how to explain it, like just garbage data that would scroll with you, so you'd see yeah. things kind of flying by. I find a lot of modern emulators will uh, like they actually have settings where you can mask the bottom eight, or they have whatever settings that um, uh, right. try and reproduce the experience exactly as as it was when one was playing in their youth or whatever. Yeah, but like as emulators were just coming out, you know that was. Lines. Yeah, peop- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Scan lines. Um, people, people would uh, you'd, you'd see a lot more of that, and that was a, that was a lot of fun too. Um, and then l- I guess another weird thing was kind of so. W- so yeah. when did you, when did you get in on doing the emulation stuff? Because I, I remember like pretty much when I the first time I went over to your house, you had a whole bunch of stuff. But I I don't think I ever had an emulator until even after I went to college. I think. Wow. Okay. Um. I. I remember it was 1998, which is, 
I don't know when Nesticle sure. came out. That's kind so of that's famous. Basically, as soon as you got the internet. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah, actually. I remember because I my parents took a vacation somewhere and they dumped me at my neighbor's house and those guys were big time like hackers and geeks and stuff. And right. they showed me all like they showed me this world of things. I remember I just could not believe like I mean I, I was naive at the time or whatever. I could not believe you could play a, a Nintendo game on, on a computer. Like I, <laughs> I didn't know now it's just so obvious. I mean, it's just data. Yeah. It's ones and zeros, right? But at the time, it was like, I, I didn't think these two things were compatible in any way. Yeah. It was inconceivable. I mean, one's a me. physical cartridge. You can <laughs> see the little metal prongs. Yeah, yeah. And, and for me, as a child, it was like, I don't know. It was as if they were different mediums in my mind. Yeah. It was like, I, I can't think of a good example, but like, like, like sound and like, physical pictures like the picture doesn't make sound you know what i mean it just it didn't seem like something like yeah. they felt very orthogonal for some reason yeah. so i mean it just blew my mind and that was kind of i mean i i really hopped in there and was uh 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 and uh, that really um kind of kicked off my uh in all honesty emulation i would say and just actually getting access to all these games uh that hadn't been released in America and, and so on and so forth, um, really yeah. kind of jump-started my interest, or I guess solidified in a way, my interest in, uh, I guess, computer science and more software-y stuff. Um, and even like kind of in things from abroad and and just like this hacker culture, like a lot of the things I'm yeah. still pretty much into was really kick-started by uh, emulation and, and suddenly being able to play these import games and stuff. So it was a big uh, <laughs> changing point in my life, actually. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, it's weird. I I kind of... I don't know if it's just because I, I tend to... I, I, for some reason, will focus on the big picture, but sometimes I also have difficulty seeing the big picture. Hmm. So it's like when I was first exposed to emulation, like I, I went to a friend's house and he was playing a translated copy of Final Fantasy V. Hmm. And for me, it was like the, that was, I think, the first time I even became aware of there being a Final Fantasy V. Yep. But I also felt like, well, I mean, if Japan, like if Square wasn't confident enough in their game to release it here why would I want to play a shitty fan translation of it? <laughs> I took a very different approach, which is funny. <laughs> and, and so that's why I like just didn't even bother paying any more attention to it than that. <laughs> wow. See, for me, it was like so incredible that these Final Fantasy games existed yeah. that we never got. And yeah. The fact, yeah, the fact they were fan translations was to me a kind of a temporary, uh, uh, almost like a, a Bandit. patch, if you will, because I was trying to like learn the language at the time and so forth. Yeah. So I mean, I wanted to go for the real thing. But in the meantime, here's this, uh, well, essentially this hack that you could play um, that would tide me over until I, I was good enough to, to if, if I was still cared about this game at the time, to then play it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, I totally never uh, had any interest in that at all. Like I've wow. I've I've still never played uh, an import game. Um, I mean, I guess uh, I was trying to do Japanese a, a year or more ago, and and so I was trying to play stuff in Japanese, but it it's totally not the same deal as what you were doing. And so, so you actually got in on the scene of doing the ROM hacking as well, right? It wasn't just playing, but you were actually tearing the stuff apart and and modifying it. 
Yeah, to some extent. I was actually bigger on the... Um, so the main ROM hack scene was more... Uh, it was people who would actually... Kind of the the um, the hackers themselves and then the translator people. And I was actually more right. active on the translation side. It was mostly people doing fan translations, really. Um, right. You had a lot of, uh, I guess, kind of hacks or like... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Re... Re, like people would edit the levels and re-release the game or they'd like skin the game with their, yeah. their own cool styles or whatever and uh i was into that a lot as well actually i was doing like like there was this big um movement to kind of take it's it's funny now but at the time i think a lot of people were experiencing experiencing the same thing as me where it's like we were suddenly had access to this new world of like japan only games and this is how things yeah. were supposed to be and they got <laughs> they got uh ruined when they came over here or like this weird attitude that like uh, since nintendo of america was bigger on censorship we had to restore all these things that had been lost or something so there's yeah. a lot of people who would like take games and they'd take what was in the japanese rom and take that the images the pic they restore the original artwork if you will yeah so um again nowadays so, like, city ransom well, more like say like going back to Final Fantasy, like you'd have like the, I don't know, like the Medusa head was clearly this topless female form in the Japanese right, version, right. and it was like it had like a skimpy dress on in the American version, stuff like that. That's kind right. of a, that's a particularly trivial example, but um, or even like uh, the Castlevania games. Any anytime there was like kind of Christian imagery, so you'd have like yeah, crosses yeah. in the background and stuff, and those get changed. So like restoring a lot of that. Um, and then also like just changing colors and stuff, um, but uh, I, I I think it was it was interesting because even on the um, translation side there was actually you had to go in and do some hacking. So like yeah. typically um, the Japanese game cartridges. So first of all, I mean it's a well known thing, but the, the cartridges were quite limited in size. Right. So going from Japanese to English, you benefited in that generally anyway. Um, assuming that the uh, the game was it had the full character set. Um, you easily had enough room to put in the English letters, right? Because I mean, there's there's however many hundreds of Japanese letters, so you just take the tw the first twenty six of those, or the first fifty two, I guess, and change them to the lowercase, uppercase English letters, and then some punctuation. Um, whereas uh, if it had been the other way around, you could see how that'd be difficult, right? You actually couldn't yeah, fit yeah. all the Japanese in. Um, but then the problem you hit, so actually taking the English letters the english characters and inserting them into the game so that you could then use them in your translation was not a problem but the problem was um in the original script japanese just takes less room to write yeah um i, I think like if you look at just japanese text in like a book or on the internet um mm -hmm. it's generally i don't know maybe about the same but that's just because each character is actually larger like the characters in right. in japanese chinese and i think i believe korean it's like all square um yeah, yeah. right uh but they, where, but yeah you look at like basic words like water versus mizu it's like five yeah. characters instead of two characters right definitely definitely um but then that's i guess my point is when you're looking at that purely on like a, a tile basis the problem yeah. is even more severe because um if you can write a single japanese character um they're complicated enough that it's difficult to write one very very small without losing legibility whereas english there's only so many letters so if i write like the tiniest little r i can you can probably still make it out you yeah. know what i mean like so i'm just saying you could probably you can shrink down english text um a lot more than you can shrink down a lot of the asian language texts yeah yeah um and then just 
Yeah, yeah. And plus, just the, the way, like, generally, a, a, a Japanese character, since it's square, probably takes up as much room as, say, two, maybe, maybe even three English letters, like, like a, an I and an L and a space is probably ab approximately square, depending on your, your font, you know what I'm saying? Right. Now, going back to 1989 or whatever, um, each one of these is simply a tile. So you'd have a Japanese character for, say, water, and in English, that's six tiles, W-A-T-E-R space, right? And yeah. so since <laughs> the text of the game, like people talking and stuff, is literally just hex hexadecimal characters that are essentially, they're kind of like pointers or offsets into like a, a character table. In the Japanese, right. if someone said like, you know, I'm going to the store, it's probably like whatever, like maybe eight characters. So you have eight hex symbols that correspond to whatever um and then when you go to put that in english it's like what the hell do we do i'm going to the store is not going to fit in eight characters right so there's a lot of kind of creative stuff you'd have to do there um which was very interesting uh i think a lot of the times it was literally just a matter of cutting stuff there's nothing you could do right i mean yeah. if, if you just don't have the room you just cut stuff and that's actually what they did a lot in in the real english translations like the official yeah, yeah. ones um, if you are walking around in, in say some RPG and you talk to multiple people and you notice these two people have the same line, they're saying the same thing. There's a good chance in the Japanese one that wasn't the case. They literally yeah. just wiped what one of them was saying cause it was pointless and had him s say the same thing as another character just right. to save room. Um, another thing you could do, uh, there was some other creative tricks, but you could, um, sometimes not always depending on a lot of things, but sometimes you could expand the ROM so you could actually give it more space. Right. Um, there's things like checksums and like just the way that the mapping of, of data banks worked and so forth um, that made that usually very difficult. But depending on the game and the mappers it used and even the system, if you could, ma and, and like just kind of the way the checksum worked on the original image, if it didn't work out anymore, you just it would recognize itself as corrupt and not work, right? Um, if you could manage to expand the actual ROM size, especially if you could simply double it, um, your life is much easier because then you just have tons of space to use, right? Like literally all that space could just be used for your text translation. Um, and again, the way it worked generally is like you'd have, for each character, they, they essentially kind of have a pointer to, to a place in the ROM that is just a sequence of hex characters that represents what they're saying. And then right. that's like delimited by like it's kind of like the classic like null terminated string. It's not always null, but there's going to be some hex that represents the end of their their line, or like special characters like a hex that would represent like a new line or something. Um, and then each hex character is just an offset into a uh, a character table. Right. Um, and so when doing actually tra like translations, not um, you'd have to I guess take two multiple approaches to to fit all this in some of it would be like i said kind of cutting lines or sometimes like abbreviating things in certain ways or like if if the character originally said something more uh complicated you could just be clever with the translation and kind of shrink what they're saying if this person said you know like i i don't know i hate you so much i'm going to kill you blah blah, blah. you could just change that to you know you better watch it there's this shortening yeah. kind of what they're saying essentially right um but then other interesting tricks would be like for example since the japanese character set would take up however many tiles um i i'm not thinking of it off the top of my 
uh, it's not coming to me right now, but say like 200 tiles were used for Japanese characters. And then you put the English letters in and they only take up the first 50 or so. You could do yeah. creative things with the rest of it. Like you could, if the game, if it's a Final Fantasy game, for example, and they say the word crystal 5 million times, then you would you would take the word crystal and like how many letters is crystal? Um, seven, I guess. And you would you could squish that. If you squish the characters together, you could squish it into say four and you'd have like kind of a custom set of four tiles that say crystal with the letters all squished together. Yeah. And anytime someone says crystal, instead of saying C-R-Y-S-T, you instead right. just say special character one, two, three, four, and it's the word crystal squished in. And so it only takes four, uh, four characters instead of seven and so forth. Little tricks like that. Right, right. Or like um, I and L or L and I or TH, like common combinations of letters you'd put in yeah. a single tile and do little savings like that. Um, and yeah, so that was that was quite interesting. Um, um, trying to think of, of what else would be happening. A lot of that kind of thing. Um, and uh, hmm. Yeah, stuff like that. Um, I guess another <laughs> another interesting thing is just uh, the tools that people would create to do this right. kind of work, of course. So since it's relatively the same workflow each time, um, obviously uh, many, many exceptions to that. But generally, it'd be you'd have a lot of like uh, uh, text editors that would you'd, – you'd kind of set them up to how the game structures things, if you know what I mean. Right. Um, so like basically think of everything I just said with like the special characters like Crystal fit into four characters and so forth. And you'd just have a text editor where it's conscious of those things. So you just type out the script, the translated script, and it would automatically convert what you've typed into the hex representation that the game will use and it will recognize the special characters. So like right. if I type Crystal, this will then convert it into that four hex sequence instead of whatever hex sequence. And then you have to like essentially burn this kind of bake this back into the ROM and then play it. Huh. So it was interesting actually. And like I found as I know I'm jumping around, I'm going on a nostalgia trip, man. I'm jumping around <laughs> a little bit, but um, as, as you were playing the game and kind of, I, I think what was fun was a lot of, especially for Japanese, I mean, it's a very contextual language, right? So if you just right. take a Japanese sentence out of nowhere, you'll have no idea what anyone is, what, what it means very often, yeah. right? Um, so to be able to effectively translate a game, I mean, it was easy enough to just dump the script, but just reading yeah, the script you without... You wouldn't just be able to look at the script, though. You'd have to actually, like... Play the game. Read it all in order, right? Exactly, exactly, exactly. So, uh, and even then, it's quite difficult if it's a long game. I mean, you could play yeah. it and play it very well and look for all the text and, and be very careful and whatever. And then you go to translate it, and you'll see some line, and it's like, clearly this was said by whatever character, because this is the way they talk. And I remember this part of the game, so I know what they're talking about. But then this next line, I have no idea. I just don't remember. He's just saying, like, some sentence that could be interpreted in a few different ways. Right. And I think probably here's what he means, so let's go with that. But So you put it and in, it, and then you you go play it and be like, what? That was weird. Why do you say that there, right? Yeah. Or, like, maybe the Japanese game would use the same trick, yeah. uh, as I was saying, where, like, they'd have one character say some. They'd have one line of text that multiple characters say. And in yeah. Japanese, that line makes sense in all those places. In English, there's no one single line that makes sense in all those places. So you'd have to right. go beyond just hacking in the new text and kind of hack. I mean, it's it's 
a little hack, but just find the character pointers and have them point to a different line or something. Like you just have to keep translating them, playing to check, and then translating and playing to check. And of course, when you replace the whole Japanese character set with an English set, and then you go and play to check, (laughs) all of a sudden, everyone, all the finished work, they'll suddenly they'll speak to you in English, and then the next thing you know, you'll walk somewhere and say talk to someone else, and they speak to you in complete gibberish. It's just a bunch of junk, right? (laughs) So you could you could like copy down their junk and then convert that like you know what those hexes that he was using are because you you look at what the english characters were it'd just be a bunch of right. gibberish you get the original hex and then go, go back to the original japanese and find out what they were saying so it's quite a laborious yeah. process yeah i imagine especially for a, 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 like a final fantasy game that's yeah hours long yeah not just something like Mario. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. And uh, I think some of the, it was almost fun for me at the time, but uh, like translating like item lists and stuff right. um, was generally easy. So generally within a, in a game, those are located in the same location. So you'd have like whatever, like what I mean is you wouldn't have like a few items listed here and then way later in the ROM, a few items listed here. Like generally the whole list would be in one place. Right. Right. Easily recognizable. Cause you just see like fire helmet, water sword, you know, like that. And you just yeah. copy that, dump that whole list and translate it all. And so it was kind of fun because like you'd see everything in the game, right? Like translating it in a way is, is a, a huge spoiler cause you're spoiling everything. You're seeing the entire <laughs> text of the game there. Right. Yeah. So uh, you'd you'd be translating through, and you'd find weapons that you didn't find when you were actually playing the game and yeah, stuff like that. Like random drops from enemies and stuff, yeah. right? Exactly. And that was fun too, because I mean, I was still kind of. I mean, I, I'm not by any means perfect at the language now, but at the time, I was still very much a learner. So to learn all these like RPG words, you know, like yeah. what I'm, I can't think of a good example, but some like flail of of the afterlife or you know whatever just these weird <laughs> words would come out and yeah. so and that could be difficult too i found if it was enemy names yeah like i remember i was involved in the uh, the dragon quest 5 translation which is funny because that's the the most common like fan translation out there um still now even after like uh the game i think anyway i think there's an english version yeah yeah they, re- yeah, they yeah. released an english version uh well I don't know if they re- released like a Super Nintendo version of it, but you can get it on the the D the 3DS. Ah, uh, okay. I don't remember if it's DS or 3DS, but it's okay. it's like been remade to look like uh, Dragon Quest Seven, so it's oh, like okay. a fully three dimensional like oh. remake of the game with okay. like a new a wholly new script. Well, it's still it was very fun for me being involved in that translation because it's a game everyone's heard of and that's like yeah that's the translation that's out there everywhere and it was it was just i don't know i mean it's so little a thing to be like like yeah proud of in some sense which i'm I'm not proud of anything but it's it was just fun i guess to, to make a difference in, in a way right um yeah. but like going through those uh uh like the enemy lists was weird because even the enemies are a little bit contextual where it's like i just wouldn't it's just like a made-up word or something right so your choice is translate as is um which kind of half works for various reasons sometimes so uh, i'm trying to think of a good example but like if there's a weird um like like if you call something an oni versus calling it a goblin uh, kind of i guess but a good example from a different game entirely but um you know moblins or or alternatively moblins in uh in the zelda games do you know what that's from uh, I don't remember. 
Okay, well, um, yeah, the word for forest in Japanese is like mori, right? Um, right. And so it's so actually just forest goblins. Exactly, forest goblins. That's it. But then it's like a Japanese word and an English word, like mori blin. <laughs> so right. yeah, so it, that's what they're called in the Japanese one. But then in the English one, they just kind of moblin or whatever, which works. It sounds cool, whatever. But I mean, if if you're translating enemies and you get to that kind of enemy name, you just don't know, right? Like. One could have maybe made the connection if they're looking at what's clearly a goblin, and it's yeah. called a moribudin, right? But if you just just have the text, you don't know. So there's a lot of weird yeah. little things they do like that, and like, ah, man, it, it's just a, it's kind of a headache because you have to go and actually find what all these things are to get a good translation. And sometimes yeah, you have yeah. to make the choice. Like, ultimately, I want to just have a real translation every time, but maybe sometimes you kind of do have to make that creative choice and say you know this was originally a weird pun in the, in the japanese version yeah should we um, whoops should we go with the translation of that pun that's not going to make sense or should we just make a new pun so that the english version kind of has that same experience right or should we just call them a spoonie bard yeah yeah as as uh, you have seen examples of in in official translations right <laughs> case yeah. in point and I, and so i mean one of the first japanese books i attempted to read was uh uh, uh, I forget the actual name of it, but it, it was like a, a book of like onomatopoeia. Right. So I and like a lot of the sounds, like there's just no equivalent in English. Yeah. <laughs> so I imagine if you come across stuff like that, it's got to be definitely. Yeah. Like, what do I do here? <laughs> <laughs> and it's not even and like how even... do you even look it up back in the days? Like, <laughs> these online dictionaries aren't a thing. <laughs> well, even if you know the word, like what are you going to translate that to? Like yeah. oftentimes, that's another issue you face. You can translate something exactly, but in English, it just feels like Wrong. such a weird thing for a person yeah. to say or for a, for a thing to be named. And yeah, yeah. I think that was kind of there was a bit of charm in the early days. I mean, so many people are so used to like that era of games being poorly translated, right? You know, the whole, all your base belong, are belong to us and all that stuff. And so it was almost kind of fun to, to, I guess, contribute to that in a way and just say, ah, this is what they said in the original one. Let's just go with it. People are used to this kind of weird ass thing coming out in the games. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I don't know. It, it was a case by case kind of choice you had to make. And of course we did this by community, right? Like, um, right. IRC was, I don't know if I'm going to say it was big back then, but for me it was, and there was a it few. It felt big for me at the time. Oh, like, really? Like, I I went on IRC within the first two weeks of getting the internet. Yeah. Because uh, it's like, at the time, like, there was no Google, there was no, mm. you know, Kotaku and Reddit and all that stuff. Facebook it's like, Messenger. It was kind it was, of the, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, the, there's, the there's descendant so of uh, bulletin board stuff, kind of, right? The, yeah, the news lists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, yeah, even like f proper forums were a pretty limited thing at the time. So th yeah. there was only so much to do. So I don't know. I, I actually like was a host on uh, an IRC role playing game. Oh, really? Uh, nice. Uh, so yeah, it was. I don't know. Those, those are the good old days. And now <laughs> it's like so weird because it's like you've got so many things like uh, Discord and. Which is almost like an IRC channel, and you go on and and it's just it's weird. Or even like yeah, well even like I don't know like like Slack and like all yeah. these different services. It's it's uh, I don't know if people still use IRC. Maybe that's maybe there's a uh, the, there are the, uh, the, yeah there are some people that still Probably. use it. It's definitely dying. Like mm. Discord is definitely uh 
it's it's essentially IRC that has permanence. Hmm. I see. So like you can log in and you can see the entire history of the chat. Right. So I think that's very much uh, usurping the uh, the throne now. I see. You know, I wish I still had my IRC history because at the time, yeah. anyway. I mean, life's very different now. But in the in like junior high, I mean, I was like incredibly introverted and like yeah, IRC was like my life. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. I had like this online friend group. You know, totally typical geeky stuff. But I was always in the uh, the ROM hack channel, and yeah. I just had so many interesting conversations and kind of. Uh, virtually met all these other nerds from all over the place. So it was a lot of fun, I guess. Like, I don't know if I want to ever go back to that lifestyle. I mean, I know I don't, yeah. but it was it was part of my life that crafted me in a certain way. So it was interesting, actually, to be part of that. So I was, it was, uh, the channel was um, uh, Hash Rom Hack. That was the big mm-hmm. Rom Hack channel. So I was there all the time. And that was kind of my, uh, my group of, of, like, online friends I'd hang out with and play games with and talk about games with for... A good hmm, three years, even maybe. Uh, yeah. I don't know, junior high, early high school, probably three years. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It was fun. I I used to yeah, like I said, there was a some Dungeons and Dragons style role playing games that we would do, and like we had a dice bot and stuff. Uh, <laughs> nice. And then I would also hang out on the Lothlorien. Uh, chat room, which was for uh, a, an art website called Elfwood. Okay. <laughs> Elfwood. Like, yeah. Like fantasy art, I assume. Yeah, yeah. It was like one of the first big sites where like an artist could just go and upload their stuff and have their own little online gallery. Like a precursor to um, what is it, deviant art or concept yeah. art or something? Yeah. Yep. Way before those. <laughs> nerds we're awesome <laughs> yeah i was a member of a few communities I, I did a few of i wasn't like hardcore into like the the gaming kind of dungeons and dragonsy stuff yeah but i i had uh uh kind of been part of that mostly experimental stuff like that um uh rom hack was the big one i was on i, I don't know there's some other ones i don't know i was part of hash japan and hash whatever else too so yeah yeah interesting nice. days yeah, yeah. So, um, in all honesty, my, my ROM, it's fun to look back on it and say ROM hacking, ROM hacking. But it was mostly mostly limited to uh, translations right. of stuff. Yeah. Um, obviously, there was some opportunity to be creative. Um, it's less technically interesting, but you'd have, like, say, a title screen you had to translate. Um, yeah. And so that's literally just a big sprite, essentially. You right. Just, you just hack in a new sprite. So you'd, you could either make something up or, or sometimes it was, like, Maybe there's like a Japanese logo and it, just a little bit of text, so you just replace that with English text. So that's kind of interesting as well. Hmm. Yeah. There we go. Uh, so. We're coming up on over half an hour now. Well over we? half an hour. Uh, so what are you playing this week? We talked about what I'm playing. Oh, Did man. you get any time in at all? or? Uh, I don't know. I've gotten specs of time. I'm still trying to beat um, FTL, actually. Um, right. And I'm, I'm really... So I feel like lately I've been like, here's my big game list. I'm going to finish these and I'm going to go through this yeah. one and then this one and then this one. And that's cool. But uh, it, I like... It's totally legit to just enjoy a game. Exactly. Right. It. It, it's like if you just turn the... T- like people who like television, I guess, turning yeah. the television on and just flicking channels versus like, I'm going to watch everything from this show, then everything from this show. So um, I've been doing more of the uh, kind of the... Yeah, that kind of just 
turn on games and play them thing. So um, playing a little bit of uh, kind of digging through my Super Nintendo library and trying to find games I haven't uh, played enough of. Um, that's been kind of interesting. Uh, 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 playing a little bit of Super Metroid, actually, reliving the good old days. Um, I don't know right. if you've heard of... Uh, have, you, have you heard of Sanrio? Uh, as in... The company? Yeah. Yes, okay. Um, well, there's yeah, a... Hello Kitty, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and there are other line of characters and, so, and stuff. But um, there's a game they have called uh, Sanrio Super Smash Ball on Super Nintendo. And okay. uh, it's surprisingly very, very fun. It's just like a almost like a dodgeball-y kind of game, but it has their characters. So it's all cutesy, but it's uh, it's just right. this competitive Super Nintendo game. I used to play with a friend quite a lot, actually. So just playing some of that. Um, but really, uh, when I do get a chance here and there to play games, mostly FTL, trying to uh, f- beat it on normal and not really succeeding uh, yet, anyway. So not, not so much interesting on uh, my end right now, but... Um, nice. Uh yeah, so I'm I'm like juggling a few things I guess. Like I said, Persona Four and Suikoden Two. I'm I'm also taking French classes right now on oh, Thursdays. Really? Thursdays. So wow. uh, I've been playing through Influent in French as well, trying to brush up on my uh, vocabulary a little bit, um, which yeah, cool. which was surprisingly helpful. Like uh, I I had played through a bunch and like learned words for like you know floor and ceiling and hmm. desk and, and all that stuff. Um, and, and some of which I don't think I ever actually learned in the first place. Like, I don't think they ever taught us floor and wall and ceiling or light switch. I probably um, don't know any of those words. But so it's like I, I did them. And then by coincidence, the very next class, like the teacher started going over some of that stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, that's, I, wasn't, that's... I wasn't just wasting time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nice to learn words that are like relevant to one's life. Or like you wake up in the morning and the first thing you see is your ceiling and you get out of your bed. Like those those words. Right? Well, that, that's kind of what I feel is weird about it is because like I was playing the game and I kind of felt like it was a waste of time. Because when was the last time I ever used the word ceiling talking to someone or talked about the wall or whatever like when i talk to people it's about like the games i'm playing or what I'm doing <laughs> or, those are the words you know, I need, what, what's what's for dinner and stuff yeah. it's like i talk about activities and uh like beliefs and what's on the news and stuff way more than i talk about the physical environment around me hmm. so uh uh i don't know it's 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 weird um, I've got a list of like the hundred most used or like a thousand most used words in French or whatever. And I'm hoping to mm. start picking my way through that. But but you really do need those words just because they come up. I mean, obviously, yeah. but I mean, even like talking about your beliefs or as you say, like what if, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good example, but like in, in a game, maybe your character looks at the ceiling. So it's, it's yeah. relevant to games very much in that it describes the world in the game or, or you know, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, stealing it back for two seconds. The game yep. I'm, I'm, tell people I'm playing that I didn't play this week is uh, Gargoyles <laughs> Quest. I'm just trying right, to right. finish it, and it's just, it's weird because I think I think you first told me that you were playing that back in like November or something. Oh man, well it's not even that long a game, and I'm at the very end. It's just the it's a it's password based, and yeah, yeah. I'm playing it on the Super Game Boy, and so like every time I come in my room, either I have a kid with me who won't let me play anything, yeah, seriously, or. Uh, 
I don't have the password on me or there's some reason I can't just turn it on and go, right? Which is why I've been playing a lot more FDL because it's, you know, I'll be kind of working on something and then I'll have maybe 20 minutes before bedtime. So just press go and you go, right? It's just so easy access. So um, when I stop being lazy and and just get on it, that's the next game I'm going to really finish here. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's the end of uh, our podcast for this week. All right. Well, um, until next time. Catch you later. Cheers.